Hey Redwood, it's so great to gather with you online. My name is Melissa and I'm one of the pastors here. In 2016, in Florida, in an area that had lots of medical and dental offices, a brand new clinic opened. It was actually a medical clinic and an urgent care center. It advertised things like minor surgery and medical advice and even holistic medicine. And lots of people started going. But after a couple of months, the Florida Health Department got a tip. Things are not exactly what they, what they seem. You better go check it out. So an undercover agent went in complaining of a sore throat and a professional look, looking doctor came in. He had a white coat and a stethoscope and he examined the guy and he gave him some medical advice and then he was arrested. It's true, things weren't what they seemed. He wasn't a doctor, and not only was he not a doctor, he was only 18 years old. And this wasn't the first time that he had tried to impersonate a doctor. A couple of months earlier, he had been arrested for impersonating a doctor for three weeks in an addictions treatment center. And about a year before that or so, he was arrested for spending a few weeks wandering through the halls of a hospital wearing that same white coat and a stethoscope and when people asked why he was there, he said something like, you should know, I'm here to shadow the doctors. Why don't you have this information? This guy, thankfully, was arrested and he was convicted of practicing med medicine without the proper education. And it's so good that he was arrested because he could have done a lot of harm. What if somebody had come in with a life-threatening condition and he missed it? What if he had given medical advice that was the wrong medical advice and caused more harm than good? It's generally agreed that there's only really one way to become a doctor. And I don't know about you, but I prefer that my doctor has gone to medical school and has passed through the right doorways on his way to being my doctor. It's probably fair to say that anybody who claims to be a doctor and is practicing medicine without having gone through the proper training is maybe just doing it for their own status and for a paycheck, and they're not actually thinking about the well-being of their patients. They're patients who are coming in a time of need, who are coming because they are sick, who are coming because they might even be dying. We're in the middle of a sermon series right now, Who Does He Think He Is?, where we are looking at Jesus's words about himself as recorded in the book of John. Throughout John, there are these I am statements that Jesus says peppered throughout. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. And today we are looking at Jesus when he says, I am the gate. Somehow we have to go through the door who is Jesus. And according to Jesus, when we do, the result is a flourishing life. But just like people who fake being doctors and they hurt and even kill their patients, in our story, we see a warning issued by Jesus. He says, I am the gate, but beware of those who try to get in any other way. So we're going to read today from John chapter 10, verses 1 to 10, and this is the context for the story. Jesus, in the chapter before, has just healed a man He's given sight to a man who has been blind from birth. That healed man is hauled before the religious authorities, guys called the Pharisees, and they're questioning him. They don't believe it. They can't believe what's right in front of their eyes, and they end up throwing this man 
out of the community of faith, and then they condemn Jesus. In our verses today, we see Jesus' response to those religious leaders. So let's read from John 10, verses 1 to 10. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they don't recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus says, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, we long to have a full life. And today, you're telling us that the way to having a full life is to enter in through the gate, and the gate is you. Help us to understand what these words really mean. Help us to understand what it is to go through the gate and lead us into the full flourishing life that you have promised us. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right. If you're familiar with the Bible at all, you probably know that throughout the Bible, there are tons of references to sheep and to shepherds. It's one of the most common images from the beginning to the end of the Bible. But we don't really live, well, we don't. We don't live in a shepherding society, so it's a little hard for us to understand what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about sheep and shepherds. So today we're going to unpack this metaphor, and then we're going to get to the heart of what Jesus is talking about. Specifically, the only way to a full life is to, one, know Jesus, and two, make Jesus known. The only way to a full life is knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. For Christians and followers of Jesus, there is no other way. And in fact, for all of humanity, which is made and designed by Jesus, there is no other way. He made us for a full and flourishing life that starts with him. And anything that tries to tell us otherwise is a thief or a robber. So do we believe it? Before we get to knowing Jesus, let's start with the sheep metaphor for a moment. Imagine with me a sheep pen. It might be hard because like I said, we are not a shepherding society. So I have a picture of a sheep pen that I want you to look at. A sheep pen in Jesus' time would have been something like this. An enclosure made of rough stones or rough bricks and it had one gate. At night, the shepherds would lead the sheep in through the one gate for, to get protection from the thieves and the wild animals. And in the morning, the shepherd would lead the sheep out through the same gate so that they could find fresh pasture to graze in. In a shepherding community, there was often one sheep pen 
So at the end of the day, all of the different shepherds would come with their small flocks and they would all enter into the one pen together. The next morning, the shepherd would have to call out his individual sheep and so that they could go out into the pasture. How did he do this? In one of my commentaries, I read this message or this story about a Palestinian woman who had lost her husband in a recent conflict with Israel and she was on the brink of destitution. All of the village sheep had been detained into one pen. And so the woman went to the guard and she begged him to let her go and take out her own family flock. He agreed. But how would she separate out her own flock from the big mass of sheep? It was pretty simple. She went into the pen with her son and her son pulled out a small reed flute and he began to play a very simple song. And immediately sheep heads from all over the enclosure started popping up. The son continued to play and he walked out the gate and he walked home, followed by their 25 sheep. Sheep know the unique call or whistle or song of their shepherd. They will not follow the sound of anything else. Now that we have a little bit of this sheep culture or understanding under our belts, we're ready now to look at our first point today, knowing Jesus. A flourishing life begins with knowing Jesus. In the story today, Jesus relies fully on the sheep metaphor. It's because of that shepherding culture, but it's also because shepherding and sheep, like I said, are full are throughout the Bible. A metaphor, just in case you need a little refresher from your high school English class, a metaphor is when we use something, an, a symbol or an illustration to stand in for something else. Jesus is not really talking about literal sheep. He's talking about something else. And in fact, he's talking about the church. So let's unpack that a little bit. In verse one, Jesus says this, very truly I tell you Pharisees, Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen, so the sheep pen is our first metaphor, it's the church. Anyone who does not enter the community of faith or the church by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. Now we've hit our second metaphor, a thief and a robber. Let's pause here for a moment. A thief or a robber is any person or lies that will lead us away from Jesus, will not lead us to the gate, will not lead us to Jesus, but will lead us away. Jesus is telling those religious leaders that they are the thieves and the robbers. Now, because this shepherding imagery is throughout the Bible, when Jesus said these words, he was surely thinking about Ezekiel 34. And those Pharisees, would have known this passage very well. So they probably thought about it as well. So we're gonna read Ezekiel 34 because it's pretty pointed and you'll see why those Pharisees had a hard time liking Jesus. So let's read Ezekiel 34 verses two to six, six and verse 10. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel, you leaders of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourself with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound up the injured. 
You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep, remember God is saying, my people have wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. And then verse 10, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. These are strong words. No wonder the religious leaders began plotting to have Jesus killed. He is accusing them of being the shepherds that God was talking about in Ezekiel. The ones who have neglected their job. Their job was to take care of the sheep. And not only are they not taking care of the sheep, but they are using and abusing them. And it's not okay. When Jesus said, talked about the thieves and the robbers and was bringing to mind these words from Ezekiel, the Pharisees may have very well heard Jesus saying, I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable. I will remove them from tending the flock. These are strong words. I take them pretty seriously and we all should. Some of us have been in situations where the people have not been taken care of. We have been in places where people may have even been abused or used by those in power. Maybe it's even been a priest or a pastor or a church leader or an elder or a camp counselor. Friends, this is not okay. Hear God's strong words. I will hold them accountable. I will remove them from their posts. And then this, I, God, will rescue the sheep. Every person in a position of church leadership, whether it's pastors or elders or small group leaders or anything, need to pay attention to these words. They are very strong. Jesus continues on though. It's not all hard words. He gives us a picture of hope. In verse two, he says, the ones who enter by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep, or the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Now, there are two ways of looking at the metaphor of the shepherd right here. The first is to see the shepherd as a good pastor or a good small group leader or a good board member or a good teacher of a program. The good shepherding pastor knows the people and the people know him or her. There's a relationship. And even more than that, the people trust their leaders because their leaders continually lead them through the gate who is Jesus. If they're doing anything else, they might be a thief or a robber. But we all know, even the best pastors and the best leaders and the best elders fail and sin from time to time because we're human. When it happens in the church though, sometimes the people get hurt. So thankfully there's an even deeper meaning to this. 
Another interpretation of who the shepherd is, is Jesus. In fact, next week, we're going to read kind of a part two of this, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus, the good shepherd with a big G and a big S, is the one whose voice we follow. My role as a small S shepherd is to point all of us to the good shepherd, to Jesus, and to help us all to recognize his voice. So let me, as a little S shepherd, try to point you to Jesus right now, because he is the only way to a full life. Verse seven, Jesus says, very, very, or very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. A church is a church only when Jesus is at the center. If a church is centered around anything else, it might be a social club or a social advocacy group, but it's not gonna be a church without Jesus at the heart. Some of us love practical takeaways. So let me give you some three practical takeaways to help us understand or help us to learn how to recognize the voice of the good shepherd, Jesus. How do we keep Jesus at the center of our church and the center of our lives? The first one is to read the Bible. A common thief in the church is that we don't have to read the Bible to follow Jesus. In fact, many, many times over the years as a pastor, I've heard people saying, if the church continues to follow the values of the Bible, the church will fail because the Bible is so out of step with culture today. Friends, Jesus tells us that the way to know God is by knowing Jesus. And until we see Jesus face to face, whether it's when he comes back again or we die and we see him as we, after we die, the only way to really get to know Jesus is to read his word. This is the best way to understand who Jesus is and who his character is and therefore who God is. Now, this is tricky because this is an ancient book. It's 2,000 years old. It's not set in our culture right now. It takes a little bit of work to understand the Bible. This is why the pastoral team here at Redwood, we're all talking about maybe we need to do a course on how to understand the Bible better, how to read the Bible better. Or maybe we need to help you guys with some resources so that you can do this in your small groups. Because reading the Bible is the best way to get to know the voice of Jesus, but it doesn't stop there. The second thing we do is we pray. Praying is simply a conversation. A conversation where we speak to God and we trust that he's there listening to us, but conversations are not one way. I would never grow in my relationship with Jay, my husband, if all I ever did was the talking and I never did any listening. And so when we pray, we need to pause to listen to God. One of the best prayer practices that is taught in a course we offer here at Redwood called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality is the practice of silence. It's starting the day in silence, listening to God. And as we start the day in silence with the intention of listening to God, we begin to recognize his voice. We know what his presence is like, but it doesn't stop there. The third way is to enter in to the church community. We enter through Jesus the gate, not to hang out by ourselves. Notice the sheep enter the gate and they enter into a flock. They enter into a group. To follow Jesus is to join in with a community of other Jesus followers. When the church is healthy, 
when it's operating as it's supposed to, when the leaders are healthy and doing the job that God has called them to do, we can learn to listen to Jesus through other people who have been following him for longer than us. If we try to follow him all by ourselves, even if we earnestly are praying and reading the Bible, we can get into a little bit of trouble. The pull of the world is really strong. We often don't even recognize when we're living according to the ways of the world because we live in the culture. It's hard for us to tell when we're living by the ways of culture and not by Jesus because it's just the way that it is. Everybody lives this way. It's just the way it is. Everyone is doing it. But our culture is atheistic, which means our culture is not revolving around Jesus at the center. The values of our culture will never lead us to Jesus the gate. Some of the values might be aligned with Jesus the gate, but will not ultimately lead us to Jesus. And what happens if the values of Jesus conflict with the values in our culture? It's gonna be a lot easier. There's gonna be a lot less resistance to go with the values of our culture. It's probably gonna feel better. So if we, lie, if we rely on just prayer and we never test it with scripture or in the community of faith, we might feel really good about a course of action. This feels good, so Jesus must be in it. But it might be totally contrary to the full life that Jesus describes in the Bible and the full life that we find when we enter into a healthy community of faith. And so when we pray, we test it with the Bible. But again, if we test it with the Bible and we do it independently of the church, like I said, this is an ancient book. It's really hard to, it's really hard to understand sometimes. It's really easy to misinterpret it. And it's really easy to proof text. And proof texting is when we just go to the Bible and we find a random verse and we take it out of context to prove something that we have already decided. We need the community of the church to help us to help steer us away from the thief, the thief of culture, but also the thief of my own divided heart. The thief that might be my own emotions. The thief that might be my own sin. In a healthy church, we can say things like, in my prayer, in my Bible reading, I think that Jesus might be saying this. And a healthy leader would say, yes, I agree with you. Let's pray together right now about it. Or they might say, hmm, let me suggest something else and they will gently steer you to possibly a better biblical interpretation. <laughs> in a healthy church, as we read the word and we worship together, we are formed in the same way. We are more united and our picture of Jesus is so much richer as we learn from one another in our diversity and our unity. And in a healthy church, we just enjoy spending time together. We can have fun together. We can celebrate the big moments in life. We can walk through the hard times of life and we could just hang out during the mundane moments of life, the regular stuff of life. And what we discover is the full life that Jesus was talking about is hard to have apart from doing life together. There's this lie out there that says, I can be a Christian, but I don't need the church. Friends, 
Jesus instituted the church. He gave us the church. He died for the church. He loves the church. The church is imperfect because it's made up of human beings, but we are called into the community of believers. We are called to do life together. Now, you might be legitimately saying, the church sucks. I've been hurt by the church. I've had a leader who is more of a thief and a robber, and the trauma is too great. This is valid. A lot of us have probably been there at one point or another, if you've been part of the church for a long time. I have been there before. The church fails all the time. It could be that tuning in online is the safest place for you right now. It might be where Jesus needs you to be right now. We start with Jesus, the gate. We can't start in any other way. A few years ago, our family was staying at a beautiful cottage that was part of a sheep farm. And every day we would go for a walk through the property that overlooked the Pacific Ocean, and we would come up to the flock of sheep, grazing in the meadow or grazing in the forest. And I have a picture of it right here. It was quite beautiful. Without fail though, every time we came up to the sheep, they would scatter, especially when we came too close. We were not their shepherd. They did not recognize us. But our daughter, Claire, who is a great lover of animals, really, really wanted to get close enough to the sheep that she could reach out and touch their woolly coats. And so every day, she went to the flock. She did not get too close. She would just stop, and she would just sit, and she would just wait. Sometimes she would sing a little song, but most of the time, she just silently watched, hoping that one of those sheep would learn to trust her and come close. After about four days of this, as I watched from a distance, a sheep came close to Claire, closer and closer and closer. And then I watched as Claire gently reached out her hand and she was able to touch the woolly coat. It was such a beautiful picture. It's burned in my memory. This for me, is a picture of Jesus. Who knows that some of his sheep have been hurt by other shepherds, by the small s shepherds, the hired hands. We're gonna talk about this in our message next week when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. But without getting too much into that, I'll give you a little teaser. Jesus is a healer and he is very patient. He's waiting in the meadow, like Claire, waiting until the sheep feel like they can trust him. He's waiting for you to come close enough that he can reach out, that he can embrace you, that you will feel and know his presence, and he will take you by the hand, and he will lead you through the gate. And maybe he might lead you to some sort of community that is going to be a very healing place for you. For me, when I was in this place of being hurt, Jesus led me to a great therapist and a spiritual director and a small group of friends. They became my flock in a season where really it was about healing. Jesus came to rescue the, shattered, the scattered sheep. He came to gather them close. 
He came to rescue you. And at some point, when the time is right, Jesus will lead you back into community with others because we are meant for one another. So far, we've learned to recognize Jesus' voice. We read the Bible. We pray. We enter into the life of the church. But there's one more element missing, and it's the last and final concluding point of our message today. We learn to hear the voice of Jesus when we participate in making Jesus known. In our story today in verse 9, Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. We enter into the life of the church, into the pen through Jesus, but we don't stay in the pen. Every day, Jesus leads us out through him, that gate, into the world. In the name of Jesus, we are called to be his hands and his feet in a world that desperately needs him. It's the rhythm of our week. We come into the church, we are led out into the world. We come into the church, we are led out into the world. And as we go out into the world, we are looking for and caring for those lost sheep. This is the rhythm of the church. Now, one last common thief that I want to mention is that I can stay safe in the pen and hide away from the real world. Now, the sheep pen can be really safe, provided that the church is healthy. There have been many over the years who have gotten so comfortable in the pen that they've stayed in the pen and they have not gone out to be Jesus in the world. One of the signs that we are growing deeper in our friendship with Jesus is that we just can't help it. We can't help but want to introduce other people to him. We want to invite people into the sheepfold because in the sheepfold, in relationship with Jesus, is where we find a full and flourishing life. We need to share it. We want to bring people in to worship with us, and we want to go out to find more sheep. A related lie is that I can go out into the world, but I can hide away my faith from the world that I can somehow separate my church life and my quote-unquote real life. This is also a lie. Whether we're in the church or we're out in the world, we are still part of the same flock. We are still part of the group of people following Jesus. We still go out in the name of Jesus every day over and over and over and over again. Let me ask you, do your friends and your neighbors, and your colleagues, and maybe the students at school, did they know that you were a follower of Jesus? There have been times in my life where, in order to fit in, I have hidden my faith. And I'm sure for those of you who've been following Jesus for a long time, you've probably had moments like that too. But like I said, whether we are at the church or out in the world, we are part of the same flock. We are followers of Jesus. Our friends, our colleagues, our neighbors, the fellow students at school should recognize just by the way that we live our life, that we are listening to the call of another master, that we are hearing the call of the good shepherd and we are following him rather than following the call of the larger culture and the world. The last verse of our passage today is the call of Jesus. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come 
that they may have life and have it to the full. The full life that Jesus offers us when we come or when we come through the gate is to know him and to make him known. So we conclude today's message with the most important question we could ever ask, do I believe it? Do I believe that Jesus is the gate? Do I believe that the only way to a full life is to know Jesus and make him known? Do I believe that his voice, his call, the special song that he sings that we respond to is so much better than the call of the thieves who only want to steal and kill and destroy? Do I believe that living my life with Jesus at the center is the only way to a full life now and in eternity? If you're tuning in right now and you are longing for the security of the sheep pen where your good shepherd protects you, he cares for you, he loves you, along with the other sheep, come in through the gate. He will bind up your wounds. He will show you how to live a sheepy, flourishing life. And he will give you the gift of his Holy Spirit that will empower you to become the person that he made you to be. And if you're already part of the flock, but maybe you feel like your friendship with Jesus has gone dry, you haven't heard his voice in a while, perhaps the Good Shepherd is calling you to go deeper, maybe through a new Bible or prayer practice, through entering the life of the church more, or maybe serving the world in his love. Either way, we go in and we go out through Jesus, the gate. Please join me in prayer. Jesus, you are the gate. You invite us in, and then you guide us and you care for us. Today, we declare that we believe you when you tell us who you are. And by declaring our belief, we are entering in through the gate. Jesus, forgive us for when we have become the thief and a robber. Show us how we might be acting more like thieves and robbers instead of shepherds. Show us where we may have started following a, ship, a, a, a thief instead of you. And because prayer is a conversation, we're gonna pause and we're gonna listen to Jesus. So Jesus, show us. Where have I either been a thief or a robber or where have I succumbed to the lies of a thief and a robber in my life? Jesus, forgive us. Show us if we need to ask for forgiveness from other sheep who we may have hurt. And we're just gonna pause and allow Jesus to show us if we have a role of bringing more unity into the flock by asking for forgiveness. And Jesus, show us how to more fully follow you, that we may enjoy a full life with you now and forever. Do we need healing from a hurt in the past? Are you inviting us to go deeper with a prayer or a Bible practice? Or are you inviting us into the life of the church or to serve in the world? Jesus, we're gonna pause one more time and we're gonna listen. What are you inviting us into? 
for each and every one of us tuning in today. How are you calling us in to a more full and flourishing life? Thank you, Jesus. You are the gate, the only one who can offer us a full life now and forever. We pray these things in your name. Amen.